0: Namur to sa bukoa to arahatoa sama sambutasa. Namur to sa bukoa to arahatoa sama sambutasa. Namur to namasa. <coughs> somebody has offered a question this evening for contemplation which says whilst attending a group work week at breakfast on the last day one of the male leaders of the group spoke to me in what I would call in an offhand way immediately I felt I'd been kicked hard in the pit of my stomach and a feeling of humiliation arose and consumed me followed by seething anger I rose to confront him There was silence in the room. No one arose to defend me. I saw he became defensive at my approach, and he made another put-me-down remark. I looked him in the eye, and a feeling of sadness for him arose. I could not say anything to hurt him, so I turned away, filled with hurt myself. And the same thought always arises, ''I am the cause for his irritation.'' I know this is not so, as I have listened to many talks on the subject, but still the same old thoughts and feelings arise. I left the room. The feelings of humiliation and hurt went with me out of that room. I felt I had failed to take it on the chin. The offhand remarks, I was told by another leader that I took them so personally. This is the way I react to people that I judge as being verbally aggressive. It is a lifetime pattern and it is the really big one in capitals that I cannot handle. The incident happened three weeks ago, and I am still reliving this scenario. Please, could you talk about this and give me some practical advice? Thank you. Well, thank you for your question. And uh, it's a situation that... uh, that probably a lot of us can identify with in one way or another. We may be not exactly the same uh, scenario, but something like that. I think it's probably the case that that uh, most of us would acknowledge that, that we have something that we would call the big one, and something that I cannot handle. And... Um, what I what I want to say to that is is I don't know, perhaps it's not what you want to hear, because from a practice perspective, from a reality perspective, uh what we need to cultivate when we meet the big one is the willingness to put our hands together in Anjali and say welcome. Now it's not what the false identity of deluded ego wants to do. This is the situation clearly I cannot handle it. This is a big one. I can't handle it. I, me. But from a practice perspective, who is that I? And and is that I, you know, even if I learn to handle it, is that What we're committing our lives to. Is that. is it really worth investing in? That's the. from a practice perspective, I think that that needs to be said. Now, of course, there are other ways of addressing this situation, and maybe we'll get around to saying something about those as well. But the priority, I think, is to appreciate that the spiritual journey, the spiritual work, uh, is one of growing out of or breaking out of um. our false identity as this me that's always struggling with life yeah. Yeah. and when we when we think that when we when we still believe that this me is somehow, we we really believe that this is who and what we really are, then we feel justified in getting upset over situations like this. Now, um, I know what it's like, <laughs> believe me, to uh, be dismissed, to be put down, to to feel offended, to feel hurt, and all the rest of it. Uh, we all know that, but. Is there an end to that by always addressing it on that level? Uh, my, my conviction, the reason that i 'm a Buddhist, and the reason I commit myself to this path of practice is because no i don 't believe there is i don 't believe there 's any end to that yeah. if you learn to handle that situation and take it on the chin and be whatever you know stand up for yourself you know there 's a feeling that we have that we 're supposed to stand up for ourselves and and so. Well, if we learn to stand up for ourselves, well, is that self really going to give us the security that we're looking for? I don't think so. I think the uh, the deluded ego, the conventional self-identity that perceives itself as being this body-mind, is an inherent failure. It's inherently inadequate. And so the commitment to practice that I, I encourage is that when we come across the big one, you know, the one that I can't handle, that we, we train ourselves, we prepare ourselves, as I say, to put our hands together and, and to bow into it. Yeah. When we bow to the Buddha image, this Buddha image is actually not going to do us any good at all, really. The Buddha image is a, it's a very attractive, in fact, one of the most attractive bits of bronze I've ever come across. Yeah, I think it's a wonderful image. But in itself, it's not going to help us. Inasmuch as we can lower ourselves with respect and remember that there is complete freedom as a possibility uh, available to us as human beings, yes, it can reflect something back to us, and for that reason it's helpful. But that's only a symbol of the teacher. The real teacher, the real teacher is that experience that shows us the consequence of being attached to, identified as, something that is inherently limited. In other words, when we reach the point where I feel like I can't take it anymore, good. Not nice, no no question about that, absolutely no question about that, absolutely no question about that. When I reach that point, as I've done many times and may be called to again, I can't handle this, it really does feel like death. Sometimes death even seems more attractive than having to endure that experience. And that's why it's so important to prepare ourselves spiritually with the resources, with the ability that's potentially there, so as to be able to bow into it and not to become rigid. So that's me, we we're bowing to this, the symbolic teacher here, we're learning to get a supple back so that we can lower ourselves in front of that which is there to teach us. And, and the experience of, I can't handle this, as a Buddhist, what we learn to do is we learn to bow into it and say, teach me what it is that I'm still resisting I'm resisting something here somebody told me I was a twit uh, an uneducated, incompetent idiot or whatever they said to me that's their problem I mean, even if I am an uneducated incompetent twit, I mean, so what? What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that What's so great about being educated, smart (laughs) aleck? I've met quite a few. (laughs) Not so wonderful. Being contented is wonderful. So I think being a contented, uneducated, you know, twit is absolutely fine. Somebody wants to call us, uh, whatever, an uneducated, incompetent uh, twit. Well, that's their problem. Until it collides with something solid. What is that something solid? What is that in reality? It's me. It's not somebody else. I mean, if if somebody says something to somebody else nasty, well, I might feel, well, that's not very nice, but it won't hurt in the way if it hits me. So what is this me that it hits? You know, somebody sends out their negativity, their pain that they don't know how to accommodate, and so they throw it out onto me. Their heart is not big enough to accommodate all their energy, and so they drive it out and direct it towards me. And and if there is a solid substantial somebody here, then it's going to meet resistance and it's going to hurt. So there's nothing wrong with that, actually. It certainly hurts. But there's nothing wrong with it. That's what's supposed to happen. I'm supposed to suffer when that happens. But the next thing to do is is how to take that suffering what it is, is the message the absolutely clear undiluted message that, that there's grasping taking place there's a misidentification that we're holding on to something as a source of security that is failing us, it's letting us down it's letting us down I failed, I failed myself so what do I do? beat myself up and say well I should be more of a man and I should stand up for myself Well, I can do that, but you know, it's just a matter of time until you meet somebody else who's going to abuse you and be nasty and rude. And then, even if you don't, well, then eventually your body's going to let you down. It's going to become excruciatingly painful. You're going to smell bad. You're going to bits and pieces are going to fall off. You become grotesquely ugly and then die. Now, is that fair? It's not. You know, and so if we're still identified as this body mind, then it's very, very likely that a sense of indignation is going to come up and say, I've been betrayed, I've been let down. And initially, we might blame the medical profession, you know, although we're 85 years old and we've consumed enough medicine in the last five years to, you know, or whatever, well, I won't continue with that, but, yeah. yeah when, you, when the time comes, the time comes, but are we able to go with it? Are we able to go with it? Well, this is what the Buddha was encouraging us over and over again to prepare ourselves so that when the suffering of loss comes to us, in part it's called Piyehi Wipa Yoga Dukkha. There's three types of Dukkha that in our morning chanting we go through every day. Apiyehi Sampa Yoga Dukkha, Piyehi weepa Yoga duka, Yampi Changralapanti Tampi duka. Yeah. Apa Yehi Sampa Yoga Dukha Sampa Yoga means Sampa Yoga means Sampa is with yoga connected to associated with the Apa which means the unpleasant yeah. it's like association with that which is unpleasant undesirable, undisagreeable it happens it's called Apa Yehi Sampa Yoga Dukkha. Pi Yehi Yoga Dukha Pi Pi-ye-hi is blissful, beautiful, lovely, agreeable Pi Yehi Yoga means separation from the beautiful, from the lovely, from the agreeable. Separation from the beautiful, lovely is Dukkha. Pi Yehi Wipi Yoga Dukkha. It happens. Guaranteed. Yampi Chang, not a Panti Tampi Dukkha is basically not getting what we want. It happens. And we get disappointed. If we we understand, if we have the view that it shouldn't be this way, then we've got a problem. (laughs) We've got a big problem. But if we have the view, if we've trained ourselves with the view that this happens, this is what happens in the human realm. That which is disagreeable comes to us. You get an ingrown toenail or you get the English weather. That's disagreeable. It's it's very unpleasant. It could be worse. At least it's not exactly floods yet. Or the electricity goes off and the heating goes off and you get a cold yoga duka. it happens. something's lovely things are agreeable and and then we separate you know like with death when death comes to us you know, somebody you love or a relationship that you valued comes, and then there's a separation it hurts it's painful we aspire to realize something we're disappointed, it's painful. The point is not do we experience pain, but how we receive the pain. that's That's the spiritual work. How do we receive the pain? In this case, it's the pain of somebody's insult. And how do we receive it? Now, if the only approach we have is thinking... then the chances are our thoughts will go along the lines of well, in this case, the thought, the reoccurring thought the person is having is I'm to blame for the suffering. Yeah. Somebody could just as well think they shouldn't have done that. How dare they? This is, I'm within my rights. So I'll go and see my union and, and we create stories and 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 we try and solve it by thinking our way through it. But We might exhaust our interest in it by thinking, thinking, thinking until we get so tired that we go to sleep and then we wake up and maybe we forget about it. But in this case it's gone on for three weeks and so it hasn't been exhausted. Sometimes pain gets stuck. Mm. And then what are we going to do with it? Well, again, with the, the training that we're doing and our cultivation of mindfulness is to Realize the skill, to develop the skill, to appreciate the skill that is mindfulness yeah. well, and, and contemplation. And we're not just watching, we're watching and we're considering. Yeah. Satipanya, yeah. Well, sometimes translated as truth discerning awareness. This is a completely different option. This is a completely different approach from thinking through the habitual pathways. We've got these stories, we've got these my rights, my history, their problem, my problem. We can follow that, but it it doesn't ever seem to get past a certain point. So what's suggested in practice is we approach from a different with a different kind of energy, on a different frequency, if you like, with different equipment. With with awareness that is a whole body mind awareness, not just intellectual exercise, a whole body mind awareness that feels like when the pain of, of being insulted or humiliated comes to us. We're in our bodies. But we appreciate we're not just we're not just being the body, but there's an awareness of bodily sensation and the heat comes up, but the heat is not who and what we are. The fire comes up, but the fire is not who and what we are, so we don't get so burned by it. To the degree that we can appreciate our identity as the awareness that this pain and suffering is arising in, then we don't become the suffering. And then we learn, alright. The inclination, the conditioned ego, the deluded uh, false identity is, is to grasp at the hurt and to be somebody who's hurt, and then we've got to do something with it, we've got to solve it. Things we go through and it's so difficult and so tedious and so tiresome. But the other alternative is this approach of of using uh, mindfulness and, and 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 wise contemplation uh, to receive the condition as it is, or even including our reaction. If we go up into our heads and we follow the stories that I shouldn't be reacting, I shouldn't. Says, no, no, no. That's already we've already gone too far. That's why. That's why Ajmaninda goes on endlessly about here and now, whole body, mind, judgment-free awareness. It's not because he hasn't got anything else to say, it's just that actually that really makes a big difference. If we've got a whole body, mind, awareness that can receive our reaction, we can hear what's said, we receive it, we feel our reaction, here and now we don't get lost in the stories of if he's going to do it next time or whatever or when it happened last time here and now judgment free we're not judging ourselves for having a reaction we're reacting you know i'm reacting. i feel i feel really really resentful i feel really deeply resentful for being treated in such a such a way i can remember an experience in my life where where uh, one of the senior monks behaved in a way that I thought was completely out of order. I won't go into details here, um, but it was in a very, very public situation. In fact, come to think if I can think of several <laughs> several situations where I've been on the receiving end of what I think is completely, totally out of order behavior on the part of a senior monk, and going away feeling very humiliated, and losing perspective, and it affects your health. It affects your mind. You can't meditate. You you can't digest your food properly. Yeah. But the truth is is still... The truth is still... That... Not what they're doing. Because they did what they did once. And then went off and got on about their business. It's me that's doing it over and over and over again. So it's important that we have the honesty. We have the integrity. to And we have the ability... In terms of our awareness... To come back to ourselves and say, "What is it that I'm doing? What is the lesson that I've got to learn here? What do I?" Have? And that's why I say that the first approach is something. Even if we don't actually mean it, that's why it's so good. Like in, in the monastic community, and we have this practice of bowing to each other, not just the Buddha image, which is easy to do because it's so beautiful and inspiring, but bowing to other monks, the ones that you don't like, is a really good practice. Because you realize that you actually eventually... You're not bowing to them because you like them. You're bowing to them because you need to be able to bow. Even when there's this, I don't like, I don't want going on. Am I going to become so rigid and I won't stand for this anymore? I won't put up with this. I'm not going to bow to you. I don't like you. We can do that. But if we can also learn to lower ourselves and do what's called for in some situation... Like if this person happens to be senior to us in the, in training and out of respect for their having been committed for training for a long time, then the right thing to do is to show respect to that commitment. The fact that I like them or dislike them has nothing to do with it. Now if we do that with our body in such a situation, then likewise the real practice is when the passions flare up in a situation like that where I've been offended, I've been hurt you know, by something that's happened Something's been said to me. And do we default to our rigid, contracted, deluded ego stance of me and my rights, how dare you treat me like that? Or do we get supple and spacious and relax and relax our belly, relax our shoulders and let the passion, let the fire burn, but let it burn through us and burn us out, actually, Actually, this is uh, one can really get some mileage out of these situations if we have the right attitude to something like that. It's a gift. I I know it feels like the big one, and it really, if only I could get over that. Well, that's already because we've missed the practice point and it's gone to our heads and we're we're following the stories. If we can come back and just say, Now, what am I doing? What am I holding on to? Where am I doing what I'm doing that's creating the suffering here? Yes, intellectually and you know I know that I know what's what, but there's still something that I'm doing. What is it? And we get interested in it and follow back and come back and into the body, feel the pain, locate it in the body, and then find a way, even if we don't mean it, but find a way of, of saying welcome because at least it initiates a relationship. Again it's just the same as when you shake hands with somebody. You're gonna do business with them, you don't necessarily like them. But if you don't shake hands, well, maybe this business is going to be difficult. It's not being disingenuous to shake hands with somebody you don't like. It's it's the way of saying, well, let's communicate. It's opening up the possibility of communication. In a similar way, when we, we, we encounter the wild, untamed passions, like indignation and rage, this is our precious heart energy. This is not bad energy. It's just that it's out and on fire and in a way that's not helping us it's causing us a lot of suffering so we don't want to condemn it or deny it we find a way of welcoming it and saying teach me what I need to learn and, and that does make a difference it helps to be, be more supple be more receiving and, and more honest yeah. Yeah. The, the dishonest conditioned attitude is it's, it's, uh, it shouldn't be this way they shouldn't treat me like this or I shouldn't treat myself like this. Either one's the same. I shouldn't treat myself like this. Yeah, I should do better. I should grow up. I should get it together. All of this shooting on ourselves or the other person is uh, a distraction. Now, I'm talking as if I know what I'm talking about. Well, to some degree I do know what I'm talking about. Otherwise I wouldn't dare say it. But it's still work it's very hard work when it happens to us but, but to believe in the worldly story that somehow I need to overcome this I, I, don't, you know, I don't want to support that you know, I being able to handle myself in all the situations is not so great rather what's helpful is for I learning how to fail you know, can I fail? can I fail? get hurt? And then bow into it and meet it as my teacher. Yeah. Welcome and say, "Teach me what I need to learn." Yeah. Having said all that, uh, I, I would like to also just refer to the uh, the dimension of working with these things that that is not I wouldn't say is is characterised as spiritual work, but perhaps more. Uh, psychological work, that it, it can be the case that some somebody is carrying around uh, a bit of conditioning which is so intensely held for so long that they don't have a perspective on it and it's uh, going to be difficult to get a perspective on it. So if what I'm saying about embracing this suffering as an aid in uh, deepening insight... Uh, doesn't really make sense then it could well be that you, you need some help, you need you know somebody to actually help you get a perspective on it because it really is the case that uh, for a lot of people who are who are embracing spiritual techniques and, and, and giving themselves into spiritual practice very enthusiastically are obstructed with conventional misidentification conventional ignorance you know. There's just there's just blind spots. You know, there's Just blind spots. There, we, there's something going on. It's been going on for so long that we just don't see it. And if it's a conditioning that, for instance, somebody picked up very early on in life, uh, and it happens that uh, you basically pick up other people's pain. You know, those who study these things uh, explain it very well and very clearly. And you know, there is a particular dynamic. Where, your parents who are not doing the parenting very well uh, end up projecting their their own stuff onto the children and the children pick it up and grow up with the perception that I'm to blame. I'm to blame for my parents' suffering. It happens. You're Feeling guilty because um, somebody else is doing something terrible to you. It happens. So It's sad, but it happens. It's part of, again, the human dynamic. And if somebody has suffered such conditioning early on in life, well, it could well be the case that they're going to find it very difficult to get a perspective on it. And so if it, something like this, uh, a pattern reoccurs over and over and over again and 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 you don't feel inspired or, or able to embrace it as, a, as part of your spiritual life, well, it was certainly not inappropriate to find a, a therapist who's going to help you work with it. Mm. Because... Sometimes, and very sadly, I've seen it happen that people can uh, work for many years at their spiritual techniques with uh, real enthusiasm and real devotion and sincerity and still be obstructed in the same thing over and over and over, year after year after year, when all that's called for is just entering into dialogue with somebody who really understands the dynamic of such conditioning. Somebody who understands it and is not intimidated by it, is not afraid of it, can see it And then, instead of judging it and reacting like most people would if you shared it with them, they reflect back to you your ability as an adult to meet it. Some of the conditioning that people are subjected to early on in life it's a stage where they don't have the ability to meet it. But as an adult, where potentially the ability is there um, but still is not the conscious ability, well it can be the case that, that People need some help with that. But even if that does happen and, and one finds the help that's needed and you go through the process of becoming more able uh, as a personality, but you're still just a, a deluded personality. Yeah. There's not a source of security. And so what the Buddha is offering us in this path of practice is is the opportunity to to cultivate the quality of awareness and, or truth-discerning awareness that when it's really potentized, it outshines all the conditioning. That's the point. And if we have an appreciation for that, if we have faith in that, well then we can meet this kind of suffering as a teacher, not as an enemy or an obstruction. So Thank you very much this evening for your attention. Yeah.